Hello, everybody, and welcome to more of a comment than a question. My name is Paul Connor, and I'm joined by my friend and colleague who has stopped momentarily arguing with strangers on Twitter to join <laughs> me on the podcast, Smriti Mehta. How are you, Smriti? Paul, I'm good. I'm really good. Friday is a good day. Like I teach this morning, and I, you know, it's just like really fun interacting with students. Um, and then I go to a journal club. That's always really fun. And then we get to do this. So. Fridays are always a good day. Um, and, and the air's clear now. Well, so, you know, it, it, we can go outside. So Yeah, the sky's blue again, Lots. which I'm yeah. very grateful yeah. for. Yeah, yeah. How about you? Yeah, pretty good, pretty good. Um, I was like, uh, you know, all week working on my job materials. Oh, right. I'm applying for a yes. job. And then I've started looking at other jobs. I was looking at the Psych Jobs Wiki. There's like 30 mm-hmm. jobs in social psych and wow. it was cool. It was actually fun. Like click these universities <laughs> I've never heard of just like clicking on them. Yeah. And then like, you're just imagining your life <laughs> like as a professor <laughs> at this u- university of this liberal arts college on the East coast that you've never heard of. And then you're yeah. finding the town on the map and you're like, Ooh, it's close to this city. It's, it's close to this city. Like, I don't know. It was right. cool. It was All and the possibilities. I, what I especially liked about it is like, you know, I'm focused on like applying for one job, right? But I also, you know, mm-hmm. I, mean, I just have this kind of feeling that, you know, I'm not going to get that one job. It's so competitive and um, right. this and that. And maybe my research mm-hmm. isn't the best fit, but it, like it was like liberating to just be aware that, well, there's there are other jobs out there. So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Nice. That does sound like yeah. fun. Yeah. So you had something you wanted to talk about quickly. So we in general are going to be talking about the uh, Tage Ray and the whole Brian Nozick funding John Arnold saga. But before we get into that. (laughs) Yes, I have something I wanted to talk about. And I wanted to talk about it like the first time you and I had like a just a one on one conversation and we had like guests in between and I forgot last time. So we got this email some time ago that I wanted to talk about. Um, So let me just pull it up. It was this really nice email that we got um, on August 15th, which is the Indian Independence Day. Not that it matters. Um, But it's from Bianca, Bianca Myers. And she wrote this really lovely email. Um, She said that she was recommended the podcast by the Ford Beer Beer guys, so Mickey and um, UL. So thank you, first of all. Yeah, I think they've probably sent a lot of people our way, which is really nice. Um, And then this email said that, you know, I'll just read out this part. Um, I really wanted to go into academia but unfortunately, in the UK, you need money to do that. Um, recently, I got diagnosed with a couple um, of, like, had to leave work. Um, and then I have a lot of time on my hands. And the podcasts have helped me connect connect me back to academia in a way I didn't think possible. Um, anyway, I just wanted to say that you're doing great and have more confidence in yourselves. Um, although I'm not in academia, so my opinion might not hold as much weight. Um, best wishes, Bianca. So really lovely email. Thank you. Um, and what I kind of wanted to talk about was something like that struck me, which was this sentence that although I'm not in academia, so my opinion does not hold as much weight. And the reason I want to talk about it is because I've felt like that for so long. Like I, you know, was like an RA and like a volunteer research coordinator for some time. And there's always this feeling of, you know, but I'm, you know, sort of just an RA. Like, I'm just this sort of person that's hanging around hoping to get in, but I'm not really in. And so my opinion doesn't hold that much weight. 
Um, and it's, I've, I've like been in situations where I've said that and somebody was like, oh, but don't say that. Like you, it's not that you're, you're not just an RA, like you're still doing research and that's still valid, but it's like, I don't think you can just like will yourself into not feeling like that. Right. But at the same time, I feel like it's, I feel like especially now that we have Twitter and we have like things like these podcasts, I think it's so much easier to feel it. Like even I, I think, feel so much more like a part of the field because I get to interact with all these people on Twitter. Mm. Um, that's one thing. And the second thing is, you know, I, I, yeah, I get that feeling of like feeling like your opinion doesn't hold that much weight, but I like hope you know that's not true. Right. And I mean, I don't know about other like subfields of psychology, but I think everybody is a social psychologist in some way. Like everybody is a lay social psychologist. Mm -hmm. So I hope that you feel, you know, you're, you're welcome among us, among us. And yeah, I hope you feel like a part of, part of the field. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just disappointed somebody that's not in academia is listening. (laughs) No, I'm kidding, obviously. So that uh, email made my day. You sent it to me yesterday. I'd never seen it. I thought it was amazing. Like the best best feedback we've gotten. Like, yeah, thank you so much, Bianca. Like that was really meant a lot to me to read that email. I I felt really good. Um, I guess like, okay, so yeah, no, everybody... hmm. I have mixed thoughts about this because I did learn a lot in university and I did learn a lot in grad school. So it's not like Mm -hmm. definitely these things I feel have made my opinions better, right? (laughs) Right, right. uh, more informed. And I, if, if it's a competition between Paul now compared to Paul without grad school or Paul without undergrad, you should probably listen Mm -hmm. to Paul now. Like he, you know, (laughs) like we do learn valuable things like it. yeah. Yeah. However, I mean, I don't know. Have you listened to the last four beers pod? I assume Bianca has. Anyway, like Samin Vizier was making really good points about how like a lot of social science um, really doesn't push very far or the most robust social science doesn't push very far beyond common sense. And it's not it's not totally clear that somebody that's really well trained in social science um, has that much more insight into sort of new situations um, or the best course of action in complex situations than just an intelligent layperson. Yeah. Lay so, um, okay. and definitely there are a lot of people in academia who are not that bright. <laughs> that's, that's for sure. I would say. Well, hmm. yeah. that's that's been my experience. I've been a bit surprised in, in that regard, um, mm. uh, which I guess leads nicely to this Tage Ray thing. <laughs> oh, yes. I'm never publishing in science. The, the, the only thing I will say is that she 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 recommended that we have more confidence, and I was like, I, I don't know if we need more. <laughs> like you and I combine, I don't know if we need more confidence. Well, we, I mean, we, we I don't know. We make self <laughs> self deprecating jokes about how few people listen to this podcast, but that's <laughs> you know. That's true. I get that. But we, I don't know, we, we, we enjoy doing this, like, and we, we think it's cool. I like right. listening to it. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, I, yeah, it's been super fun. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, great segue, Paul, not to, not to disregard that. But yeah, so let's talk about the stuff that happened last week. And the whole Twitter was just 
going crazy about it. So it all started with um, this um, thread that somebody started, um, and I don't think that's their actual name, right? Uh, the the DARPA project. Oh, the well, yeah. Because uh, I, I couldn't find anything. I thought it was the person's real name, but then I couldn't find anything about who is this person. Right. I I don't think that's their actual name. Okay. I think they've sort of remained anonymous. Okay. But they put. But so this person was part of this like replication like market. Um, what do they call it? Yeah, replication market. That's what they call them, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and they you know reviewed a lot of studies and they wrote this whole thread about how we haven't really made that much progress in terms of replication and they're like oh if we can tell a bad study just by looking at it for two minutes why can't all these academics and there was this like whole big thread um but then they dry who's the um editor of science wrote a thread as well um and i guess they're sort of his biggest critique was that it's a DARPA project. I mean, the, I'll just read out the first tweet of that um, thread. Wait, before we do that, that yeah. I think there's some really like quotable parts of that blog. Oh, yeah. The blog is really can, entertaining. Can I? Yeah. So I've, I'm, I'm just bringing it up now. Um Listen to this. So, <laughs> criticizing bad science from an abstract 10,000-foot view is pleasant. You hear about some stuff that doesn't replicate, some methodologies that seem a bit silly. They should improve their methods. P-hacking is bad. We must change the incentives. You declare Zeus-like from your throne in the clouds and then go on with your day. <laughs> but actually diving into the sea of trash that is social science gives you a more tangible perspective, a more visceral revulsion, and perhaps even a sense of Lovecraftian awe at the sheer magnitude of it all. A vast landfill, a great agglomeration of garbage extending as far as the eye can see, effluvious waves crashing and throwing up a foul foam of P equals 0.049 papers. As you walk up to the diving platform, the deformed attendant hands you a pair of flippers, noticing your reticence. He gives a subtle nod as if to say, come on then, jump in. What... What a beautiful <laughs> couple of paragraphs. What a devastatingly beautiful couple of paragraphs oh, that this person has put together. Amazing. I would love to know who this person is. Like, they write My incredibly. God. They do. But at the same time, I, I just have, like, this sort of knee-jerk reaction against anybody that, you know, just talks shit about <laughs> social science, like, as if it's all a pile of trash. I mean, come on. You know, I get that there are problems, but either, you know, help figure out solutions or, you know, get out. I don't know. It's not all bad. Okay. Don't make a face. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, go on. So this person's written this article. They're part of this DARPA replication project. They wrote this article basically saying social science is trash. That's a position Mm -hmm. that I'm sympathetic to. Anyway. The editor yeah. of science, gentleman called Tage Ray. I may mm-hmm. be mispronouncing that. I apologize if so. Tage, I think you would pronounce it Tage Ray. Tage Ray. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know that the first. I mean, yeah, that yeah, it's Tage Ray. Yeah. We had a whole Tage and I had a whole conversation about it on on Twitter. Yeah. That, we, that's a conversation for another time. Yeah, that's kind of an interesting side note. Maybe we'll get to that. But anyway. <laughs> right. <laughs> Yeah, so his first tweet was, I don't want to wade into this too much because of my own bias as an editor. 
But please remember that this is from a DARPA project. There are powerful private and government interests hoping to co-opt the replication crisis to gain leverage over deciding what kind of research you can produce. So, okay. It, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. There's a lot going on in that tweet. There yeah. is a lot going on in that tweet. I mean, okay. So should we just try to unpack that or should we like tell more of the story of um let's try to unpack that i don't know i don't even like i i had such a hard time following all these conversations and all these threads and it's a lot yeah so what do you think tej is trying to say like what is his let's try to because i have struggled with this a bit and like some i sometimes like there's just it's a bit vague what he's actually he in his head thinks is happening and and so i wanted to just sort of see if we can sort of steel man his position and and just clarify like wh- what is he actually trying to say and and you know be charitable yeah. in doing so yeah in that case i will read the next few tweets if that's okay with you sure. because yeah, i think those idea. are important so yeah after that um right after that um he says does that sound too conspiratorial it's not i've yet to see an open science leader really grapple with the conflict of interest implications that almost the entire movement is funded by one billionaire shameful hypocrisy in my opinion on the government side, Lamar Smith and other conservatives jumped on the replication crisis as a way to discredit climate science and influence research um, funded. Don't give up your agency over research to people with less exper- expertise or anti-science agendas. Does this mean you should abandon efforts to fix science? No. But just don't be so naive that you think that this is a good fucking idea that couldn't possibly go wrong. Um, so this is not the whole of it. There were a lot of other conversations, but mm-hmm. I think this gives you some context. I mean, the the main thing that I think he was trying to get across was, hey, beware of where your funding is coming from, right? That funding can have implications for the kind of research that gets done or how it's used or they might control certain mm-hmm. aspects. So that that's kind of what I... And I yeah. That's why I shared, I mean, we've been listening to Paul Mead's lectures and he brought it up in one of in the, one of his lectures, right? That the kind of funding you get might change, you know, what kind of research gets done because the kind of research that gets done is the kind of research that gets funded mm. and government gives a lot of funding and the universities can charge a lot for those yeah. government funds. So, so, you know, it, that has implications for, for scientists and for knowledge. Yeah, no, well... I would say that that's part of it, right? Um, That, you know, people give money with certain goals in mind. Uh, Mm -hmm. But I think like what, I mean, that's that's true of any research funding, right? Like funders always decide what research gets done. That's almost just like a tautological explanation of what funding means. I mean, what he's really saying is that there are these sort of anti-science forces who want to jump on like the replication crisis to discredit Mm -hmm. say like climate science or you know that's been the most salient example there i haven't seen many other like clear examples right so you know if you're a politician who is trying to argue against climate science I think Tage would say, yeah, like the 
open science movement are like useful idiots because we are, you know, mm. uh, making noise publicly about uh, right. how people should not just trust science, how it's often um, made mm -hmm. uh, in un an unrobust, untrustworthy ways. Um, and that sort of plays into their hands because they could say, look, there's this replication crisis. You want to like um, institute green jobs or you want to like, sh you know, um, tax the mining industry based on what these scientific studies, but science is mm -hmm. not, we can't rely on science. It's um, so that's like true, right? Like there have been cases where, uh, you know, conservative politicians have sort of referred to the replication crisis to sort of cast doubt on science that uh, runs counter to their political goals. Um, yeah. And so in that sense, you could say the open science movement has been co-opted uh, by these people, right? Um, mm -hmm. And I guess, like, I, my response is like, and? <laughs> Because here's the thing, right? Like, if... If we are doing bad science, uh, that fact, uh, it kind of should be co-optable, right? It should, this should, like, it should be known that in many areas of science, we're doing bad science. And if it's true that science in a particular area is being done in an unreliable way and doesn't replicate, then, like more power to you, whatever your, like, political persuasion is uh, and whatever your political goals are, uh, if you, like, understand and repeat that truth. Uh, because, yeah, I guess, like... Yeah, but, but I guess in this case, couldn't you make the argument that the reason they're saying that there is no progress made or they're saying it's all bad science is because they had ulterior motives to find that result? Like they wanted to find the result that science is now reliable and lo and behold, their research shows or this person is now showing that, oh yeah, a lot of, there's no progress that's been made. You know, scientists don't mm. really know what they're doing. Well, I don't, yeah, I guess that's possible, right? Like it, it, there is a world in which like there's funders that really want to show that science is unreliable. So they like pressuring the COS, the Center for Open Science to find low mm -hmm. replicability But mm -hmm. no, I don't think anybody thinks that that's true. Like, and I don't think te that's what Tej yeah. is accusing people in the open science movement of. Um, N not the open science movement. I think he's accusing that, that particular DARPA project. Right. Yeah. Um, I didn't, where, where, where are you getting that? I didn't, I didn't read that into any of the tweets. So like... Why do you think he's accusing the DARPA project of being like sort of biased towards finding low replicability? I didn't read that in any of his tweets. I mean, but, but that's what he's saying, right? That this is a DARPA project, so beware because it's, it's being funded by the government. No, no, no. So, yeah, right. right. But like he says, but please remember this is a DARPA project, exclamation mark. Mm -hmm. There are powerful private and government interests hoping to co-opt the replication crisis to gain leverage over deciding what kind of research you can produce. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, 
I mean, he, he's yeah, yes, uh, he's saying that. Yeah, like, I guess that's not. Yeah. Yeah. So he's saying that there's people trying to co-opt the replication crisis um, to gain leverage over deciding what kind of research you can produce. I mean, that's a bit. Hmm, I mean, that's a bit different from but, if you're. But aren't the res- Sorry, go ahead. Like that's a different argument than saying like if I'm a climate denying politician and I'm trying to use the replication crisis to make a point that we can't necessarily trust science or mm-hmm. like scientific uh, results. Um, here he's yeah. So this was interesting to me because I don't know of any clear example of somebody using the replication crisis. Um, to control what kind of research people can produce. Like, I I think people in the open science movement would probably say, yeah, we we're trying to make it harder to sort of publish P-hacked research. Uh, But I've never seen, I've never seen really any evidence that open science, the open science movement is being used to stop particular research in particular areas. I mean, you could say, Okay, so maybe there's maybe there's figures who are like, and you know, and the Trump administration, for example, has tried to stop climate research. Or in Australia, I think a conservative government did the same thing. So basically, just stopped any research into into climate yeah. change. Um, and yeah, so but it it would be a weird way. It'd be pretty weird to fund an enormous project looking at the replicability of social science as a way of trying to stop climate science right and or or if you know that social science is sort of the you know the weakest link mm. and what you really want to do is discredit all of science but you're like oh here's this and well so right. i looked up i was like okay let's look at what the darpa stuff is like mm-hmm. about like what are they trying to do over here so i actually went and looked at um the darpa score projects and what their sort of mission is so darpa is i don't know the defense defense advanced research projects agency mm-hmm. and so the score project which is the systematizing confidence in open research and evidence mm-hmm. and so i'll read out what they're trying to do apparently so the department of defense often leverages social and behavioral science research to design plans guide investments assess outcomes and build models of human social systems and behaviors as they relate to nationally secu- national security challenges in the human domain. Mm-hmm. However, a number of recent empirical studies and meta-analyses have revealed that many um, social behavioral science results ve- vary dramatically in terms of their ability to be independently reproduced and replicated, which would have real-world implications for DOD's plans, decisions, and models. So I think to address this situation, they've sort of you know opened up this DARPA score prod program with the aims to develop and deploy automated tools to assign confidence scores to SVS research results and claims. So that's kind of what they're trying to do, I guess, Mm -hmm. is to like, oh yeah, we use all the social science research. So we need to know, Mm -hmm. is it, is it reliable? You know, is it replicable Mm -hmm. or not reproducible or not? Yeah. Um, which which it doesn't sound like a terrible goal, no, right? Like, yeah, no, that sounds like a fair goal to this me. Is, well, this is the kind of this is what I thought about John Arnold too. Like I was reading the piece on John Arnold, yeah, and like waiting for the bit where the where I would discover how shady he is and really <laughs> come to question his motives, and I just never got there because so basically this guy 
I mean, I think we're supposed to just distrust him because he was a traitor at Enron, uh, which, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. admittedly was a pretty shady company, although I don't know anything mm. about it, really. Um, yeah. He made it, like, $3 billion by the time he was 38, and then he just quit. Yeah. And then he became a philanthropist. And one of the things he's doing is funding the Center for Open Science and stuff right. like that. And I'm, I'm reading this and I'm like, I, I mean, I guess like, you know, a lot of people have this intuitive sort of disgust that billionaires like and, and think that, <laughs> you don't know, they shouldn't exist. Right. Like if we had a like fairer oh, distribution yeah, I mean, of income, we wouldn't have billionaires. Right. But like I could see in the world as it is somebody you know like this sort of math genius sort of guy just being like oh well what should i do first uh make a lot of money and then what should i do next oh, i could like use that money to make positive changes in the world and one thing right. that i do think would be a positive change would be to make social science better and i don't think yeah. anybody disagrees with that like i don't think tage gray right. disagrees with that mm-hmm. um i think his only point is like okay so we he would say that we're fo- naive to just think this is a f- fucking good idea that can't go wrong, right? So, like, right. okay, so what what is it going wrong? Yeah. To- and I mean, yeah, but the, the biggest issue that I think a lot of people had was with this, like, with this part, right, where he's trying to say that the whole movement is somehow funded by this one billionaire. Mm. Yeah, which, which is not true. And I think, you could, which is just not true. He admitted yeah, a that it wasn't true. Up- he said, uh, yeah. "I was typing fast. So you, you're, you're all getting distracted." Um, <laughs> Right. So, okay, cool. Like, that, that's settled. He admitted that's not true. Whatever. Right. Um, but I want to, yeah, like, back to my question. Like, what, what is it, what what is is going it wrong? going wrong? What does that look like, it going wrong? And I think what it is is like, okay, um, we come along, we sort of do all these replication projects, we show that we're doing shoddy research, and then people mm-hmm. who sort of don't want research to be done, would sort of hate social science, right? Like, um, yeah. don't don't want any sort of research into like i don't know racism or gender or like or you know don't want sort of social progress right. on these kind of issues we'll just shut mm-hmm. down social science we won't get any more funding we won't be able to do this research anymore um yeah. if we show that oh none of this stuff replicates and it's all bullshit i guess i would say that like okay well if none of it replicates and it's all bullshit why <laughs> Why is it so important to protect it and keep doing it? You know, like surely, <laughs> surely, like let's just all quit. No, I mean, yeah. right? Like, so the the extent or- to which, like, our yeah, though, if there is this problem with our field and our re- research is not replicable, um, and there's people trying to bring that to light, and by so mm-hmm. doing, they're like uh, jeopardizing the existence of this field, which, you know, I don't think that's true, but maybe worst case scenario. It's not yeah. the fault of the people bringing it to light. And it's the fault of the people doing the shitty research, I think. So it's like, mm. um, I was thinking, yeah. So one example is like, what, what about like, what would he say about just falsification of data? Like, so who's mm, that? Du- just like the, fabricating the Dutch yeah. guy. I forget his name, Daniel. Larkin's talked guy. about him, you know, Stiegel, Steeple, the, the, I don't know what he's, I forget his name. Just the guy who made up data, who like just went out and ate all the candy himself and just, okay. Oh, so, that was, that was Leif. That was not Daniel. Yeah. Diedrich Staple, uh, maybe? Anyway. Maybe. Um, I mean, I'm sure Brian Wozniak, for example, fabricated, did he fabricate data? Mm, not Probably sh- not. sure if we know that. Anyway, no. obviously... 
this stuff is bad. We don't want it. We're, and it, it, people who expose it are doing a good thing, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. But it, it could be co-opted, right? Uh, somebody could say, hey, why should we trust science? Look at that Diedrich Staple. Um, look at uh, look at Brian Wozniak, right? Like, why why should we trust science when mm-hmm. sometimes they just make up data, right? So it, this could be co-opted. However, that's such a bad argument for like not exposing people who are lying and making up data, right? Like, obviously, nobody would say, oh, "Well, we should uh, just sort of sweep that under the carpet because we, you know, we need to like." We need to preserve the... Maintain it, yeah, this facade. The facade of, that oh, you can trust all science yeah. and, right. you know, like... And I don't know, man. Like, the uh, the thing for me is, like... Yeah, like, conservatives... I, I've, you know, after Trump got elected, I joined a bunch of conservative Facebook groups because I was just like, I don't know, I don't know, I want to understand these people. I want to, like... Right. I want to get to know uh-huh. these people and... Um, actually understand what's in their mind because i couldn't understand how could you vote for trump like how how did this mm-hmm. guy win like we we live in these liberal bubbles on the coast we and yeah. I, we just never deal we never talk to these people so i wanted to like actually get and so i joined these groups and you know it lasted a little while it was pretty painful i gotta be honest but one thing that they would say <laughs> is like i would i would try to give them evidence for things right so like we'd be mm. discussing racism or something i'd be like no no look look at these studies and their response right. was well you know, I, I, don't, I don't trust it. Like, I don't trust... I think it's like... I think mm. you guys just uh, sort of just tell the stories that you want to tell and you just fudge the numbers to make it um, make it say what you want to say yeah. and stuff like that. Right. And here's the thing. Like, they're not totally wrong about that as far as I can tell. They're not... And even in that well, J-Van but Babel- you can't... But, but, but most people don't. But most people don't do that. Like, I'm not saying our methods and our, you know, procedures are all perfect, but the amount of people who are actually fabricating data, I mean, that has to be, like, minuscule well, in co- compared to, like, the whole of social science. Yeah, yeah, but the amount of people p-hacking is probably a majority. Like, the amount of people going into a project... Uh, you know, with an idea of the story they want to tell about the world and then sort of massaging data or ignoring null results or, you know, like having multiple DVs and using the one that works or, you know, not controlling for multiple comparisons, that is not a minority. That is the modus operandi of the field. Like, I... you, Yeah. I mean, this is, like... I don't know, Samin was talking about it on the Four Beers pod. Like, we've seen again and again, like, these big-name researchers, uh, these papers in big-name journals, like, just not yeah. not replicating. And we, like, yeah, we know this now. Uh, we yeah. Yeah. know that there are huge problems in the field. So... I guess my my Man, my thing is like okay that, we can but that's true but that's true even for like medical research mm. like I don't think that's even that's not I don't think that's limited to social science like those issues like other fields grapple with them yeah as well. yeah true I mean Ian Edis's yeah. paper like at the very mm-hmm. start of the like that was about medical research like we published right. most most published findings are false are false um, yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like, uh, so I guess so you have this problem. But, but you have this you problem, think, and like, but don't you think? Like, I hear, like, I hear you that yes, that the yeah, a lot of people are doing shoddy research. Yes, but don't you think there's like this danger in 
allowing people to say things like, oh, we can't trust science because of that. Like at the end of the day, there are like, we know so much more because of science than we did, right? And especially with like social science, like as you uh, say, right? We like, know, yeah, like, but real science. I don't think we know so much more because of social science. I don't. I mean, but that's so much easier to say when... Yeah, so, okay, so, like, in the beginning of the podcast, you said, oh, yeah, the, the people who are, or, like, what Samin said, right? Like, that you, that most of the findings you have aren't giving you all that much more than what, a, you mm-hmm. know, a lay person would think, right? And that's always been a criticism of social psychology, mm-hmm. that you're just, it's just common sense. Mm-hmm. But it's, there's a difference between your intuitions matching the data. Like, it doesn't mean that there's no value in actually collecting that data, Right. Like there's a lot of things where the intuition might not pan out. Right. Because people also thought opposites attract. But like, what is it? Do opposite attract or do like more similar people like each other more? Birds of a feather right? flock together. Like, yeah. Does absence makes, like, makes the heart grow fonder? Or yeah. I mean, out there's those classic things. Right. Right. Exactly. And that's like we've yeah. just recited the opening of opening paragraph of like a lot of psychology textbooks. Yeah, we have. We have. But, but I think also that's like. Still- at the same time, you know, like, it's common sense that, like, yes, yeah, sometimes absence makes, absence makes the heart grow fonder, sometimes out of sight, out of mind. Like, people, I don't, yeah, mm. like, how much of, yeah, I find me a layperson that thinks it always works one way, is what I'm trying to say. They, oh, they don't I'm exist. sure they're there. Like, I'm sure. No. I, I've heard people say things like, oh, we wouldn't get along because we're too similar. And I'm just like, well, if you're going to, if that's, I, I think some people go out in the world... You know, just with these ideas in their head and they sort of, it, it affects their interactions, right? So they might, I mean, maybe there's a romantic relationship you have, but they're like, oh no, we're too similar to one another. It's just okay, not going to okay. work. Okay, okay. Yeah, work. but like the thing is, we, we're not helping those people. In fact, I would say that we, uh, we, we, the findings that we come up with and the way we communicate them probably push them further away from understanding reality than closer to it. But that's, a, that's another issue. That's why we need to educate them. But, and okay. that's why I, but it's like, okay, so that. say, I kind of agree, right, like with these conservatives uh, mm-hmm. in when they say, you know, um, it's hard to trust social science. So let's say I kind of agree, right? So mm-hmm. what should I do, right? Like, what should I do? Should I sort of just like um, secretly try to fix the problems with science so we can make it more robust uh, and just like mm-hmm. try to kind of have this major movement um, without any conservatives ever hearing about it. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, we, we can, uh, like, you know, sort of do replications, uh, identify the problems, identify how reproducible our field is, but mm-hmm. somehow no Republican politicians ever hear about it because we've right. just excluded them all completely from the academy and it's all done behind closed doors <laughs> with good, you know, trustworthy liberals... I don't I mean, think that's that, possible. Like, I don't think that's possible. Or if that's not possible, and that's not ideal either. That kind of goes against the whole idea of open science. Right. Yeah, because, <laughs> that's like, like you exactly can, yeah, yeah, when I share my data or when, when I share my preprints, anybody can access them. Right. Um, I mean, and transparency yeah, is one of yeah. the sort of key pillars of this movement, right? And so, okay, so say I do a replication study, I find that something doesn't replicate. And mm-hmm. I do it, I put a preprint, and then... You know, I like, I put a preprint online. Anybody can access that, and some conservative politician finds my paper and uses it 
for their own purposes, right? Like maybe they want to use it to, I don't know, take away, what's the worst thing they could do? Take away health care from unemployed mothers, right? What did I do wrong in that situation? Like what does Tej think that I should have done that I didn't do? Should I have just not replicated that study? Should I just leave an untrue finding out there because it's leading to good consequences in the world? Like, is that the naivety of me? Like that I care about truth more than those mothers getting health care. It maybe that, maybe that's it. Like that, like some I, things are just more important than truth. I, that, I mean, I, I don't like claim to be inside. They just had, so I don't know what he would, he thinks or what he would say, but I think the, I, this is my, I'm just speculating. I think his worry might be that if you're getting funding from somebody that has a motive, right, that wants to find research to not replicate, then you in some ways have an incentive to find, you know, null results for your replication. I mean, whether that's true or not is up for right. That's what that would be my guess is like how he thinks this is working. Is like okay, you have this funding agency that that wants to. Okay, maybe not. That's, yeah. I don't get that impression. But that's the I think only thing he... that I can think would make sense in this situation. If you think that your the incentives are sort of you know stacked in this direction of like trying to find null results for applications to discredit science, then you might just you know find more null results, and then you can be like, yeah, science is you know it's all bullshit. Hmm. I I I I didn't get any impression that he was insinuating that there was pressure. From like John John Arnold but, or DARPA but, 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 to find low else, replicability. What else would be this conflict of interest that he talks about? Conflict of interest. Yeah, where he's like, let me hmm. see. Does that sound too conspiratorial? It's not. I've yet to see an open science leader really grapple with the conflict of interest implications that almost the entire movement is funded by one billionaire. Shameful hypocrisy, in my opinion. Hmm. What is this hypocrisy? Yeah, what's the conflict of interest? That's a good point. What's the conflict of interest? Yeah. That's the, I mean, that's the only thing I can think of. Like. Yeah, because conflict of interest means that, You yeah, you have some stake in the game right like yeah you, you have a, a dog in the fight or the phrases are escaping motive. me right now vested interests yeah you have a vested interest in yeah i i guess i think that he thinks the vested interest is in doing the replications not like how they t- find how they come out well you, you can only find you, low re- I, you can I only really find low that- replicability if you do a replication project right so somebody that wants to show low replicability would fund a replication project because um, hmm. that makes it possible to find low replicability. But at the same, but I mean, at the same I time, I really doubt he doesn't. Tej doesn't think we shouldn't do replications. He yeah, doesn't think we exactly. shouldn't, shouldn't do think... replicability projects. So like, it's like okay, grap- we've grappled with it. Like obviously, we should still do this. So now. Now, what's your point? Like, I don't, I like for me as a researcher, I'm like, so, okay, COS got money from John Arnold. Um, and I'm, I'm supposed to be wary of him because he worked for Enron for some reason. Right. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So sh- I shouldn't, I shouldn't pre-register my next study or I shouldn't worry that the research I'm, I'm reading, like 
did a three-way interaction and got PS 0.04 or like I should just uh, you know like tell my family and friends to trust it all you know when I have seen how it's produced I've like seen how labs work and this you know um, just absolute fishing and like garden of forking <laughs> yeah. paths and just oh, like no. do, burying do null results work? and enormous file drawers and like no like that's I don't know, man. I like, I, I just think like Tej wants to seem like he has this deeper analysis of this or like he's the, he's the one who's not being naive here. But I also just think like if, if you don't have anything practical to say, or like if you don't have any like actual criticisms of what people are doing or the projects that Mm -hmm. they've done or any way in which any of this is bad, um, all, all, all you have to say is like, well, could lead to bad consequences if this bad actor does this. I mean, we've talked about this before. Right? You can say but, that but, about but almost anything. But I don't anything. understand why, like, what does Stage have to, to gain from discrediting the open science movement? Uh, I mean, likes... Status. Mm. I mean, because a lot of you mentioned that. Wait, wait, wait. You mentioned the Garden of Forking Paths. So I do want to mention this quote from from the original blog from this person that I wrote, Mm. which was um, when they measure a dozen things and only pick their outcome variable at the end. That's not the Garden of Forking Paths, but the greenhouse of fraud. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, this is life made this point, too, that like if you really uh if you're pee-hacking the shit out of your data, it's getting pretty close to fraud. Um, and yeah. that's, that's but, but again, yeah, I, but you really think, I mean, I don't think, I don't think, like, Thage has any, like, there's, there's no, like, you know, dearth of likes and retweets. I really don't think that he had to put his neck out there like that. Like, I'm, I'm sure he mm. would know that there'd be backlash from people in open science if he were, if he said that. I, I don't mm. think he would have been blind to that, but... Like, I don't understand why, like, what's the goal here? Yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, I actually, like, I can't read Tasia's mind, but I, I think that, like, <sighs> I think that he is um, pretty into identity politics uh, oh my god! You know, How do we always come back he, to this? His Twitter yeah. bio, his Twitter bio says something like, "Don't talk to, don't tell me to talk to white people about racism or something like mm, that." Right. right, so, right. Oh so, yeah, and at some point in the thread, they also like say that it, it's mostly mostly white men in the open science movement, so it's yeah, also yeah. racist so it get, and I mean, sexist. It only movement. takes two or three tweets to get to these identity based arguments <laughs> and to like sort right. of impugn the open science right. movement. And Tej, he did this like pretty, I would say pretty irresponsibly. So like somebody's yeah. in in all the conversation on the first day, there was this one lady who made a good point. So she said that like mm-hmm. there's one OSF project who they're trying to replicate one of her studies and they sent her mm-hmm. like a 30 page protocol and right. asked her to yeah. like review it. Free, uh, and yeah. she said that like, there's a pandemic going on and I have kids and I'm really busy and I, right. you know, you haven't given me much time to do this. And she mm-hmm. said, good luck with it, but I can't, I can't yeah. help you right now. And they're asking her to do it for free. Yeah, yeah exactly. It's ridiculous. And yeah. so she made a good point that like, you may be, 
you know, it's subtle, but you may be um, allowing bias into this project mm. by asking people to do this now because people with kids and uh, like a, a lot of people have argued that during the pandemic, women um, are struggling to more. keep up because like right. a lot of the parenting burden is falling on them. Um, mm-hmm. You may, it may be the case that female scholars can't help with the replications. Therefore, the replications are lower quality of female scholars. Therefore, you might replicate female. Like, it's pretty speculative. and um, mm. But a good point nonetheless. Yes, like, uh, it is possible that bias could creep in in that way. Yeah. And some guy was kind of questioning her and, like, I guess being, like, I didn't think, like, that hostile or aggressive. Like, he was just, like, I think he was just, like, what what evidence is there that, like do you have her? I think I read that too, and I didn't think it was tests have less yeah. capacity to help out. And yeah, I didn't think it was that bad. But so Tage kind of like uh, until the highlighted end, this. I think yeah, and he said something like like this is just an indication of the kind of rampant like Sexism. bigotry that goes on in the open yeah. science community every day. And first of all, like this guy is like a lawyer. He's not doing science. He's not actually, you wouldn't really call him part of the open science community, but like Tage is holding him up as like, look, look what that, like this movement is made up of. And like, there are people who have just decided, um, decided that open science is just full of like bigots, basically, who are trying to, uh, trying to like, raised out or take down research because it helps like women or it helps minorities and stuff like that. So take down. So the research is like pushing society in this noble progressive way. And these evil open science people are trying to stop that. They're trying to like, um, and I shared that tweet thread with you a long time ago, right? Like by that guy who was just like, I'm not on board with open science because it's all about Mm. centering white males. So, like, this is a thing, yeah. and I... Okay, so, I am... I can't read Tage's mind, but I think that that kind of sentiment Comes is driving a lot of this. Mm. And, you know, he can... Yeah, see, this, this is why we can't have nice things, right? Because <laughs> there are people who are, like, trying to make things better mm. and trying to, like, who is... Like, open science is a good thing, and it... Mm. <laughs> Like even if it was like all white men, I that's not a criticism of the open science movement, right? That's such a yeah. Mm. But there is something here. So like this guy Alvaro, one of his tweets, he said, "Bad incentives don't magically fix themselves. The reason nothing Mm. has been done since the fifties is that no fix is possible from within the system. The only viable solution is top-down direction from a power that sits above the academy." and has its own incentives in order, right? Mm. So I guess, like, um, Iris Van Rooge tweeted about this. She said, I've seen this proposal before, and I honestly think it is dangerous and naive to think that non-scientists should be in power of what is considered good science. So Mm. I guess, like, the idea is that um, the replication crisis, some people Mm -hmm. are kind of looking at what's going on. Like, we, you know, give all this money to all these researchers to do all this research and it's a pile of shit you know according to according to these people and you know like it's not there's no it might not be a pile of shit but like it's not it's not a pile of gold let's let's face it and and so there's people who are like well this needs more regulation and i've had this thought in the past too right like i i like i feel like I, i had this idea that you know we need to be 
trying to get like the funding bodies on board or even go above them to the government and just be like, well, we need to reform, you know, the NSF and stuff like that and make open science practices sort of like a lot, like make more funding contingent on adopting open science practices. Like every registering and yeah, I was thinking like, you know, every new grad student, um, there should be a part of the NSF proposal. That's like, Mm -hmm. how are you going to, embrace how are you going to use open science practices um how are you going to use i'm actually writing an nsf grant yeah and the nih did something like this too they they sort of Hmm. made it the law that you had to pre-register clinical trials right i yeah yeah yeah. all clinical trials need to be on the yeah it's like clinicaltrial.gov so you any clinical trial needs to be on there and there's this amazing graph that like shows how many how many clinical trials were resulting in positive results before that legislation change. And then it just drops off a cliff after that legislation change. So obviously that's good. Obviously that's good. That's a top down, Mm. top down Mm -hmm. implementation based on the idea that science is not uh, reputable, not reliable. And obviously it's good because if you're giving me a drug that's based on clinical trials, I fucking want those clinical trials to have been pre-registered. I want to be able to trust that science. Right. So, right. It's not just drugs. It's it's also like therapy and stuff. Any, Mm. even like therapeutic, like interventions or or stuff like those need to be, I think on the clinical trial stuff as well. So is it, is it naive? Like, is it naive to think that the government could have a top down body and like basically institute rules about open practices and make science better? I'm, I'm actually not sure it is naive because we have an example in the NIH where it's obviously led to good outcomes for something like that I to mean, happen. But the government, but the government looks very different then than it does now, right? I think there. I'm sure there yeah, were scientists yeah. that were on those committees that made those decisions or stuff, right? Like, I, I'm not sure yeah. we can trust the government mm. now, at least, to be able to do that. Well, right? Like, if we, like, if I, we, if we can't, then we're kind of fucked. I think. <laughs> I mean, like, we are. No, we are totally fucked. I mean, because <laughs> yeah, like, I, I like hear the, what you're. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, like, I, I think that's a fair point that you're making, but the, just the state of the world and just the situation that our country is in, I, I do think that that's very tricky because you mm. could end up with a situation where people are making decisions about science that aren't scientists, and that's, that's dangerous. Yeah, but somebody who wasn't a scientist probably made that decision about the NIH having to pre-register trials. I mean, they were obviously How advised. How do we know that? Not necessarily. They were obviously advised by scientists. Well, maybe we need a timeout and we need to... Yeah, let's actually do it. Let's do First a timeout. Time. We haven't right. done a timeout. Yeah. <laughs> timeout. Okay, so it looks like it wasn't scientists. Um, looks, looks like the whole cl- clinical... Um, trial stuff started um, because of the Food and Drug Administration Modernization Act of 1997, um, which was um, amended. It amended the Federal Food, Drug, and Cosmetic Act, and it was actually... um, it was Richard Congressman Richard Burr and Senator James M. Jeffords who were the chair people of the food um, of this act, and they were both Republicans, and neither of them were scientists. So, um, yeah, I guess it was not a scientist, and yeah. Here we have a body of non-scientists right. who are yeah. trying to control what kind of science you can do. Like, and, and oh my God. <laughs> so now we have to pre-register clinical trials. And here's the thing, Tej, that's good. Right. That's a good thing. <laughs> I want my clinical trials to have been pre-registered. I want to be able to trust those results. We all do. Come on, man. Come on. 
I... <laughs> Sorry, I just like a very honest appeal. Yeah, I I, I don't know. I was like a tr- tr- left it till today to prepare for this podcast, and I've just found it so like I like there's just fifty Twitter threads yeah. open on my browser, oh my and all these people saying this and I want that, and like I, know, I just I know. I mean, even the, this whole like yeah, it's it's been like it's very complicated to make sense of, and yeah. everybody's sort of so I might you know, like I don't know. I don't think I'm naive. Like, I don't think I'm naive. I think... um, And I I don't think any of these open science, you know, all the, the, you know, like these prominent open science movement folks, I don't think any of them are naive either or hypocritical or like they haven't like thought about the implications of, you know, the, the funding. And it's... And the question is like, even if DARPA is funded, it doesn't make it, you know, it doesn't... You know, I think Fiona Fiddler wrote a really nice thread about because she's a PI on a DARPA score project. I've actually participated in it, the Replicats, um, great project. And you know, I, I know that all of them are like thoughtful people who do think about the implications of these things. And you know, her that that project spoke out against some of the regulations that they were, they were trying to put in Australia against mm-hmm. whatever. So it's it's not that you know people aren't thinking about it or they they're being hypocritical about it. I. Yeah, it's it's just you know it's sort of upsetting. I can I can see why a lot of people in the open science community thought it was sort of a slap in the face to sort of imply that all of this is being done only by this like funding from a billionaire, mm-hmm. um, even though it is in a lot of ways you know a very grassroots movement as a lot of people pointed mm-hmm. out. Yeah. yeah, I mean that's my perspective of it. Like I came came to grad school and just sort of learnt about all this stuff, and yeah. you know it was pretty convinced by the arguments like they're pretty fucking convincing arguments like it's hard to right. it's hard not to see the value of pre-registration for transparency hard not to see the value of sharing your data with people and you know yeah. uh and replication it's hard not to see the value of replication so like all these things are yeah. pretty self-evidently valuable to me but i also just think like there's a weird disconnect going on for me between the idea that like um so much social progress would be imperiled if we lost social science because like that's kind of the this seems to be the guiding intuition that like it would be this disaster if we stopped having all this social science going on or it stopped we stopped it stopped getting funded um but at the same time like you ask people well what social progress can clearly be connected to social science research and they like there's very few answers to that question so all of social science well what do you like i mean we asked daniel larkins this and the, his example was like people visit I old mean, people in a in a home <laughs> in, in the, the netherlands because I mean, they decided that loneliness was bad and it's like okay right hey, hey loneliness that's, is that's bad unfair. is, is not Loneliness is bad. I, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that a non-scientist could have come up with that. That's that's unfair. I'll give you better examples, at least from social psychology, right? I mean, there's a lot of great work on um, eyewitness testimony, right? Elizabeth Loftus over at UC Santa Cruz, I believe, right? I mean, people think, people I'm sure still think that eyewitness testimony is really reliable, even though it's one of the least reliable things we have right and i and i don't think that would have been obvious if we hadn't researched that 
right? I mean, there's just immense. That like, is great... one of the best examples I have been given when I when I uh, let, right. when I raise this, and it's uh, but it's very limited. Like uh, the kind of social progress, you can't you can't really use it as, as an example of this is progress society maybe it's like it's made a slight improvement uh around the edges of the criminal justice system where certain testimony might so maybe some innocent people are free uh because we have this finding maybe some guilty people are free because we have this finding too so like i i don't know it's like the like that being kind of the best example that we can we can really give for like our usefulness and all the billions of dollars that have been funneled into like measure how do you measure the usefulness of like social psychological insights like i you're right it's pretty hard but like i don't know i i feel like if you ask a physicist it's, what has physics ever done for us like how has physics made our life better it's really fucking easy for them to answer that question because it's like, well, this technology and this technology, and it's the only reason we can do this, and it's the only reason we can do this. And if you ask a social scientist, how has social science made our life better? It's like, uh, well, there's that eyewitness testimony thing. And do you know what? I, do you know what I mean? Like, it's just. I mean, yeah, but I think that only speaks to the complexity of the of what we study. Not that we haven't done anything useful. I, I think it's. I think it's very unfair. Because it is very hard to measure. And, and not to mention, I mean, social psychology, like social psychology, I mean, if you're a physicist, right, there's maybe you and five other people that really know what you do and what that really means, right? For social psychology, it's all of the world. Everybody knows what we're talking about, what we mean when we, when we say, you know, well, things like optimism or, right? What? You I know, research I mean, implicit bias. Don't forget, like that's <laughs> right. But people understand what you mean when you say bias to at least a certain extent, mm. right? It's accessible to everybody, and I think, and I think that sort of dilutes a lot of the benefit we we have, right? Because it seems like, oh yeah, everybody knows that. Yeah, everybody fucking knows that because we told them. No, I understand. <laughs> but anyway. <laughs> we'll have this out. We'll have this out oh, over sorry. over many many podcasts. I'm sure. So, yeah, we will continue to. So yeah, I mean, um, I can give you other examples, but it's not worth mm, getting into. So, yeah, w- you know. Final thoughts on. Uh, final thoughts. Um, <laughs> oh, I mean, no, I don't have it. <laughs> <laughs> Good answer. Good answer. Um, I guess, like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Um, I think it's... I, I, I actually... I, no, here's, I, here's a final thought. I, I do have something. So, like, yeah. a long time ago, um, I was listening to the Black Goat pod. Mm-hmm. Uh, or maybe I was just looking on Twitter, uh, something Sanjay Srivastava was writing. And he was writing about this... Um, risk of the open science movement sort of Mm -hmm. like um this sort of vicious cycle that could happen right so like if the open science movement for example uh attacks a particular subfield of psychology right so like um social cognition researchers researching racism right so say Mm -hmm. like that community feels in particularly attacked by the open science movement there's yeah. going to be a vicious cycle because people in that community won't adopt the practices 
people in that community will sort of feel like, oh, it's these all these guys trying to attack our field and attack our science and they'll just become defensive and sort of just be like oh well you know this is motivated by bad intentions they just want to like they just want to like take down our science and then to the extent that that community is refusing to like adopt practices or see like is closing them off to the open science movement you have this vicious cycle where like their science kind of you know they stay with small samples they stay with not pre-registering and stuff like that and then the open science community increasingly sees that field as problematic so there's this real risk that particular fields sort of splinter off from open science and are not embraced within open science and i know like sanjay's thought a lot about how you prevent that how you try to um just have open science be a really open tent get everybody into it um i yeah my first sips i went to a meeting about this because i thought it was like a really interesting area um Mm -hmm. and and i like i thought it was a real risk like i thought it was because you know like we've all seen how identity politics is going in the world and and like i could I, you know, I mean, shit, in, within a few weeks, I was at Berkeley, I had people telling me they didn't trust open science because it was all white males, right? <laughs> so, like, I knew that this was a thing, like, and it, and it was a risk and a danger. And I wanted to, I want to do research on, like, race and inequality and stuff like that. And I also want to do open science. So, for me, it was, like, mm-hmm. personal, right? Like, I right. kind of need, like, this field to be open to these ideas and not sort of I'd be mm-hmm. like, oh, you're an open science person. I now sort of distrust you. I think you have bad motives. So, yeah. um I went to this meeting at SIPS and um, I was just sitting there and like people were sort of just talking and coming up with, trying to come up with ideas about like, you know, what do we do? How do we make open science more diverse and stuff like that? And I I remember just like, just not hearing anything that I thought was like a good idea. Like I actually just walked out because I was like, this is, yeah, like I don't, I'm not sure there's anything that people in this room are going to can do or can think of to sort of stop this yeah stop this happening but it almost yeah we're at a stage now where it almost seems like it's happening Mm -hmm. uh and it's bad and i don't know i don't know what to do about that i don't know i guess definitely we should not be making podcasts where we're being rude about tej ray but that horse is kind of bolted we don't yeah i guess yeah sorry if we've been rude like i don't mean to be you haven't been rude Uh, it's been mainly me but like i don't know he bugs me i i've actually muted him on on twitter because like mm -hmm. he's so like hostile and yeah i mean yeah that would be my you know last sort of thought is like you know let's just be nice to each other (laughs) and don't don't be you know don't say stuff that you know is just gonna upset you know, so many yeah, people f- and it's just untrue, yeah, right? It's yeah, just, yeah, un- yeah. it's just, it's just so, you know, not cool to say that, oh yeah, all these people are being funded by this one guy and they haven't really thought through the implications of what they're like, yeah. come on, that's just not, not cool. Yeah. But that's stuff that Tej did. What can we do? I guess we can, can like, we, not I, take the I bait mean, when he's trying to, <laughs> he's, trying, he's trying to get retweets. Yeah, I mean, we can do this podcast and share our thoughts, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but, you know, um, I don't know. Open science is good, so I'm going to keep doing it. So Mm -hmm. I think it could be funded by Satan herself, and I (laughs) would still think it's a good thing to (laughs) pre-register. Nice. Yeah, I was thinking about, I mean, it's like Christopher Hitchens, like, this attack against Mother Teresa, right? That she was accepting money from dictators. Mm. And is that really, you know... I don't know. It's an ethical question. I've seen a lot of shady stuff about her. 
We should, oh, yeah, we yeah, should yeah, do an expose. Maybe a yeah, podcast yeah, about her. Yeah, anyway, so let's wrap it yeah. up because it's going to be pretty long. Next week, Anne Shiel. Oh, yeah. We're going to have Anne Shiel on. Yeah, it's going to be Very excited. super fun. Yeah. yeah um, we've already cool. started thinking about puns. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We do like puns. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, yeah. great talking to you. And to you, Paul. Have a good weekend. Yeah. You too.